Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cash That. This is your host, Joe Delera, and I am joined once again by producer Corey. We are about to hit the prime time, the season that we all really love, that we all really care Please about. Please get me out of football season. We damn well know if football season is over. Um, let's. We'll touch on football in a second. Just a little scheduling notice for everybody. Uh, we wanted to have Dan Titus on today, uh, lead fantasy analyst for Yahoo sports but we had to dan's kid got put on the il so we uh we are going to be looking at rescheduling dan for next week we will have dan on so that way you can hear some of dan's content some of dan's takes before your fantasy basketball draft so don't worry about that we still have that lined up for you guys and obviously hoping uh for dan and you know everybody that uh in dan's family that they're okay so we'll uh we'll we'll come back to dan next week but for this week, let's talk about the absolute misery, number one off the top, that the New York football giants caused to me because this is like – it's like like, I, like I'm a Knicks fan, so you know I already hate myself. The Giants just are like – they make it so much worse because I already like – I like football, but like don't get me wrong, but I don't like – live and breathe football but like my god do they take the wind out of my sails and like producer Corey, <laughs> how are we doing here <laughs> well i wasn't dumb enough to watch the game i gave it five minutes of my attention in the second quarter and bailed see that was smart that's what i should have done yep. because when they went down for that drive and they threw the pick six i like felt a glimmer of hope because i was like oh like they're gonna get this they're gonna get the two-point conversion it's gonna be a one possession game we can do this. No. My brother took the funniest video from the end zone. Oh, he the was there? Six. Yeah, you can just hear my friend cracking up in the in the behind him because he can't even believe what he just saw. Dude, I like I I just I legitimately like could not fathom it. I start yeah, you're right. Like the only rational response to that type of thing is laughing because what I, else can you do? It's like what else can you do? I think the thing that's so frustrating about the Giants is that you think that they're going to be good. Like, always, like I always think they're going to be good. Like, they made the moves. They got the linemen, like, whatever. They did not get the linemen. They didn't get the linemen. They signed Justin Pugh back. Remember yeah, him? I saw that. Yeah, he signed we to the practice him. squad today. There was, like, a long time where we hated him because he sucked the last couple of years. So yep. it's like, what are, you know, it's like, what are we doing here? I Like, I'm ready to just pack it in, honestly. Like, I, but, like, you got the, we got the Dolphins. And then we have the Bills in prime time. Like, do you know how bad I would need that's, them to that's flex that? That's a public that? execution. They need to flex that game. They have to flex that game. We're going to be one in five. I'm not going to be watching it. I'm not no, watching that shit. No. You know why? Because we're going to have NBA preseason basketball is why. Oh, hope? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Hope. Sounds great. Hope. So, look, at least the New York Knicks. We'll talk about the Knicks, but the Knicks are going to be pretty good. Um the one thing I want to leave this podcast off with, uh, number one, we're going to talk about a couple things today. We're going to talk about how to bet preseason basketball. We have the Dallas Mavericks and the Minnesota Timberwolves playing a two-game set in Abu Dhabi. Is that how you say it? Um, I don't know. This geography is, this is pretty, never ceases to amaze me. This is this is a producer Corey question. So how do you pronounce this? Like How, how do you say Just, it? You were almost there. Give, give it another try. Just say it Abu, faster. Abu Dhabi. Okay, let's not emphasize the H. Be a little French. Go ahead. 
Abu Dhabi. There, there you go. go. You did it. <laughs> it's only in like nine fucking DJ Khaled songs. Uh, look, I look. I mean, I can't even hear anything that DJ Khaled says besides another one. And to me, this is just another one of those countries that I don't know how to pronounce, you know, or capitals or cities. So the one thing that I do know is because I looked this up while we're talking right now. It is a 12 hour and 50 minute flight from New York City. You want to know how much that flight is? Um, the average ticket price is only guess. Guess. What do you think, Corey? Over under. I'm going to put the over under at. $13.99. Over. It's actually under right now. I'm seeing on Qatar Airways with the connecting $9.59, but we don't do we don't do connecting. So nonstop. Nonstop, on, obviously. I don't know how to say this airline, but it's uh Etihad, Etihad, I don't know. 10 uh ten forty nine. So not not really that bad, honestly. Um and you can don't get a preseason game. Yeah, you, you go catch some preseason games, you know, so it's, why, why not? But when we're talking about NBA preseason, this is the time we all love a nice dog. We especially we also all love a nice money line dog. Here's the thing. Over the past couple of seasons, uh, really dating back to, let's say, like early 2010 or so, um, if we look at this. The key for betting preseason is finding plus 200 money line dogs or greater. Um, over the past couple of years, I wrote an article about this last year, so I'm looking at some of those trends that I pulled last year, but it hits at a 57% clip. Winning with the 90, 67, and 6 record, you're up 17 units basically so <laughs> it's a nice little it's a nice spot uh that's a plus 10.8 percent uh or plus uh 9.5 roi and against the spread rather it is 90 67 and 6 against the spread that's plus 10.8 percent roi on the money line those teams are 51 and 112 but they're still returning a plus 9.5 percent roi so what you can do here is you can either bet the money line or alternatively, you can bet the spread. But the key is like you almost don't even need to really cap it too much. Um, and I hate saying this because like it's like, you know, it's like, oh, we're just throwing out like blind bets here. But the thing is, in preseason, there's not really motivation to win. There's motivation to see things, to test things, to try different rotations, maybe try like new defensive schemes, see how guys play together. Um, the goal isn't really to win. So you do have like starters playing weird minutes. Uh, you have different rotations. You have things that players being put into positions that are outside of their comfort zone, for example. Um, and they kind of struggle in those positions just because like, they're not trying to win. They're just trying to like execute, run through an offensive set, try to do, try to do a little bit of a defensive change for them. Um, whether they're going to be like playing a little bit more at the level, maybe they're going to be playing a little bit more switch. Maybe they're gonna be playing a little bit more drop. Like you're trying to see how these players kind of mesh together. Um, and then at the end of games, when teams pull all their starters, sometimes the bad teams, the quote unquote bad teams, they're still playing like they're better, they're better players because you want to see more from them as the season, you know, as preseason goes on. And they're really fighting, some of them are fighting for roster spots. So it really doesn't have the same level of motivation as a regular season game where in a regular season game, you might be blowing a team out and then all of a sudden they come back in the in the second half. 
and you're like, oh, whoa, we got to put the starters back in. It doesn't happen in preseason. Preseason, they just let it fly. So it's a great opportunity to take those money line dogs. And generally, when we're seeing that plus 200 on the money line, we're seeing a lot of like plus five and a half, plus six, plus seven. So that's kind of the sweet spot you want to be in. Um, keep an eye on that. Uh, I'll be logging my stuff. I'll be putting my plays out there. So keep an eye on all of those things and we will see what we can do in the preseason. Um, what I have noticed though, is we'll get these lines early in the preseason. And then we, a lot of times won't see them again. Right. So we'll, it's almost like a thing where early in the season you'll or early in the preseason, you'll see a lot of people and a lot of books like they'll they'll say like, well, we kind of need some liability on this quote unquote like bad team. But a lot of times what it is, is it's a bad team from last year where you look at it and you're like, oh, like they don't have anybody on the team or like, what's the scenario? Like they were really shitty last year. They're playing, you know, like maybe the Lakers or something like that. But you have this bad team um, and it's just like the Lakers don't really need to try like they don't need to run all their guys through rotations in the preseason so you really do get an opportunity to take uh to take good advantage of some of those lines there and some of that plus money to kind of build your bankroll up a little bit leading into nba season um and with that i think it's important some coaches in particular are actually really bad against the spread um, one of the better coaches uh, is actually Tom Thibodeau is a better coach in the preseason, which it shouldn't really come as a huge surprise just because of the fact that he, you know, obviously is trying a little bit more. Um, another coach uh, that you should look at is Eric Spolstra, not particularly good in preseason, um, just based on the fact that like they aren't really trying like they know what they have they know what they're trying to do like they know that they have a lot of veterans on the roster and they're not necessarily trying to like go out there and cover spreads or do anything like that one coach that is particularly bad and i'm pulling the numbers here is greg popovich bad preseason coach uh only winning about 40 percent of the time against the spread. Another one with a bigger history, two more with bigger histories are Rick Carlisle, Steve Kerr, actually all these coaches you you would think would be better in preseason. Terrible. Tyron Liu, Greg Popovich, Doc Rivers, Rick Carlisle, Steve Kerr, Frank Vogel, Eric Spolstra. Terrible, terrible in preseason. So those are all teams where you might want to say like, oh, well, like, why and they all kind of have one thing in common generally they're coaching a little bit more um veteran laden squads obviously greg popovich a little bit different now um but greg popovich's thing is like he's not trying to win in preseason the games just don't matter like he's trying to teach he's trying to like make sure things that are going right these players are playing well together so when i can get some of these spots to really line up where you know like let's say the warriors are playing um are playing like the knicks in preseason that's a spot especially if it matches our money line dog trend where i'm like look we got to take the knicks like that's a great spot for us to try to take advantage of this of this opportunity of this type of trend um and i think that those are things that kind of make sense just based on the fact that they really push their squads to perform better another coach that actually performs exceptionally well in preseason is quinn snyder so 
Now we get to see him with the Atlanta Hawks in the preseason. I think that that's a spot where I'm looking at this and I'm saying like, okay, uh, maybe this is a good opportunity to back Atlanta early in the preseason. They're coming off a relatively bad year um, where, you know, they basically where they essentially missed the playoffs. And now we're getting another look at them in the preseason. So these are definitely some teams, some angles that I'm looking to back in the preseason. Some of the things that we can also learn from the preseason are how are teams going to be playing? How are they going to be moving their rotations? So like with the Indiana Pacers, they just announced their starting lineups for the preseason. And they were talking about the fact that uh, you're going to have Obi Toppin starting at the four. So that's something to notice. It's like, how are these rotations going to be? How are we going to see that rapport with Tyrese Halliburton? Uh, I know that there's been some talk and just saying like, oh, it's going to be Lob City there. And I wouldn't really be all that surprised either to see that. But it's definitely something to keep notice of, to keep an eye out for, and just to kind of see how these teams are meshing and gelling um, and, you know, playing together. Another spot that we're looking for is one of the, is that Chris Paul and Kevon Looney are supposedly going to be starting for the Golden State Warriors in their preseason opener. So now we're going to have to see whether or not they're going to decide, like, is Chris Paul going to be a starter for them during the regular season? Is he going to be coming off the bench? This can also affect some of those awards markets because Chris Paul coming off the bench would be a dynamic sixth man of the year bet. Like, that would be a great bet to try to get a position on. But if the Warriors are going to try to use him in the starting lineup, then you kind of know that bet's dead in the water, and some of those odds on him should probably start to shift. Um, so those are all things that we're going to try to take and consider. We're going to take and try to learn from and try to, you know, just determine what we think we're going to see in the season moving forward. Some of the teams that I think I'm particularly excited to see, and we can kind of get into talking about this now, are the new look Boston Celtics and the new look Milwaukee Bucks. Obviously, this, this was one of the biggest trades, biggest storylines in the in the NBA with the trade of Damian Lillard. It was a foregone conclusion that he was going to go to the Miami Heat that obviously did not happen. Um, and there was the three-team trade with the Portland Trailblazers and the Phoenix Suns that sent Drew Holiday to Portland and Damian Lillard to Milwaukee. I think this team's going to be a dynamic, absolutely dynamic 2K team. They're going to be so good. They're going to be so much fun to play with. And I think that the offense obviously does take a step forward. Um, as good as Drew Holiday is, I think on the defensive side of the ball, he does a lot of the things that I've talked about him a lot. I think that I, re I really like Drew Holiday. I really like what he brings to the game of basketball and to the court. But one of the things that kind of bothered Milwaukee was they kind of got bogged down a lot of the times in the playoffs and with their offense, it got sticky, um, especially with the injury to Chris Middleton. We're not hundred percent sure exactly how he's going to be this season. Uh, you know, after coming off of some of those injuries that he's had, but <clears throat> With Damian Lillard, you have a dynamic number one option on offense besides Giannis Antetokounmpo, and they both do, do dramatically different things. One of the things that I think is most important is that Damian Lillard has incredible gravity, and you can't, you know, if you need to throw two at Dame, that means that you're trying to play three on four when one of those four is probably Giannis Antetokounmpo just absolutely diving at the basket. So they're going to be playing some dynamic pick and roll there. I, I think they're going to be one of the toughest duos to stop in the entire NBA. And I'm very excited to see what this does on the offensive side of the ball. Then, though, 
you have the trade of Drew Holiday to the Boston Celtics. And this had to be the absolute worst case scenario for the Milwaukee Bucks, just period, in terms of where Drew could have ended up, right? The reason I say this is that Drew is a better Marcus Smart, um, in my opinion, anyway. What Drew does is on the offensive side of the ball, he's obviously a better scorer than Marcus Smart. Um, I think that Drew struggles a little bit as a dynamic engine to an offense. Like if he has to necessarily like generate the majority of the offense for a team, Boston, he doesn't have to do that. He's going to be at best a third off option offensively for that team behind Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And then you couple him with Chris Stapps Porzingis as well. So this is definitely an interesting spot for that team. Uh, Boston also is going to be one of the best teams that can defend a Damian Lillard in the NBA between Drew Holiday and Derek White. With that combo, that's why I'm saying I think that this is such a rough spot for Milwaukee. Like, obviously, you still make this move, I think, but it does beg the question, did Milwaukee get better with this trade? I don't know. But I do think that one of the things that it's clearly shown, especially through the media day talk, is that Giannis has clearly said and clearly expressed, despite the fact that he doesn't want to sign the extension yet, which we've talked about. We said that he probably wouldn't do just yet, uh, and he probably is going to want to hit free agency before he makes a decision, I think. And and at that point, like it'll give Milwaukee two years basically to try to win a title or continue to add to their pieces, like whatever. But you're getting... Damian Lillard there, and then his sentiment has been the ownership is committed to winning. That's important to me. So if if even if there's like a backroom deal or something like that, or there's been conversations saying like, hey, uh, I really appreciate what you guys did did there. You got Damian Lillard. Like I feel better about staying. That if you can keep Giannis, then it's worth it because at the end of the day, Milwaukee's not necessarily signing a ton of like big name free agents. Got to keep the guys that you got and whatever makes Giannis happy. Like that's about as far as you're going to go. So critically, critically important. Both of these teams, I think are the team to beat in the East, but I do think that it causes, there's a lot more variance with these teams. Now they're both much thinner in terms of their depth. And I think that if there was the ability to bet like a field option to come out of the East, I think that I would um, in part because of the fact that if one team gets hurt or if let's say Cleveland just has a dynamic uh, that's like an absolutely dynamic regular season or, you know, or Philly or even New York say, and like one of them say like, like for example, like the one seed or they, or one of these two teams like Milwaukee or Boston, maybe they suffer an injury or they struggle to kind of gel early in the season. And then they're the one in the four seeds. You could see them playing each other in the second round of the Eastern conference playoffs, grueling series. Maybe whoever's in the two and three spot gets to pick them off in the Eastern conference finals, or they just happen to match up great against one of those teams. So I do think that the market isn't a hundred percent priced perfectly here. Um, Obviously we don't know what the, what the extent of the James Harden holdout situation is going to be. The report is that he will be reporting to the Philadelphia 76ers. And basically there's not really a trade option for them right now. Uh, The Clippers don't necessarily really want him. And especially at the price that Philly wants for him. And uh, I know the Knicks kicked the tires on him a little bit, but it doesn't seem like the Knicks are interested in a one-year rental of James Harden. So I think that there's a lot of, interesting scenarios in the Eastern conference. One of the teams that I think 
we obviously need to continue talking about is the Miami Heat. And Miami, I've logged a couple things. I, you know, I took their under 48 and a half wins. I took them to miss the playoffs at plus 575. And I've also taken a little sprinkle on them to make the play-in tournament. So I think the way you need to look at this and the way that I tier the Eastern Conference anyway is I have two teams clearly atop the Eastern Conference. You have the Bucks and the Celtics. I don't think that there's any disputing of that at this point of the time. Uh, I have the Cavaliers, the Knicks, and the Philadelphia 76ers in the next bracket. I'm not even trying to be a homer here. New York has gotten significantly better, I think, uh, just by not necessarily doing too much. Like, they've retained the guys that they've got. They got, you know, you add a guy in Dante DiVincenzo. Um, you continue to build on this roster. Uh, you saw R.J. Barrett play pretty well in FIBA. You also saw Jalen Brunson play decently well in FIBA as well. Um, but and, and Josh Hart to an extent too, like the rebounding was dynamite for team USA, despite team USA struggles. But I think with the Knicks, um, you know, the floor is there. You know, that Tibbs is really is going to always pull the most out of that team. And they have the assets to make a midseason trade to improve. If there is a disgruntled superstar that they really want to go after. However, you know, kind of from what I'm hearing, uh, it sounds as if, what New York is trying to do is they're really trying to hold on to all of their assets and see how the situation in Philadelphia shakes out. And that with that being number one, does James Harden get moved somewhere? Number two, does Joel Embiid, who's approaching his own free agency, does Joel Embiid start to say like, hey, I want to be in a situation where I can win? He's had some interviews kind of alluding to this type of thing. If Joel Embiid asks out, that is the type of player that apparently the New York Knicks are willing to spend and open the war chest for to get and acquire for their roster. Like that's that's from what I'm hearing. That's what the Knicks are interested in. They want a bona fide superstar MVP, MVP, MVP. I can't even say MVP candidate. He's an MVP. Um, and that's what the Knicks are looking for when they're opening up this war chest. So that's that's kind of the situation for New York. Miami, on the flip side, the problem that I have with Miami, like I think that Miami is one of those teams where you have a lot of veteran leadership. You obviously have Jimmy Butler, who's one of the best players in the NBA. You have Bam Adebayo, one of the best defensive players in the NBA. And then, you know, you have Tyler Hero. But then now, when you look at this team, they lost a couple of key rotation players, including Gabe Vincent and Max Struess. So you can argue with the fact that, like, yeah, maybe some of them are a little bit redundant to each other. Jovic is going to improve. Um, you're going to see, you know, Kayla Martin's going to be good. You're going to see Jaime Jaquez is going to be dynamic. But those are all you're asking a lot from guys that haven't really necessarily shown too much. I mean, Kayla Martin obviously had that incredible run in the Eastern conference semifinals against the Boston Celtics, where he was arguably the second best player on the team. Uh, but those are things that you can't necessarily bank on for a full season. And my concern with Miami is they're just another year older. Jimmy Butler does tend to miss a decent amount of games. Even Bam out of bio is not, you know, like completely immune to injury. Uh, and you, I think in, and you know, it's like, this is a team where, the margin for error is not really there. I mean, if we look at it last year, they were just a couple minutes away from being eliminated in the play-in tournament. Um, that's why I think that the number is just mispriced. It's not really a bet on the fact that I think Miami is a bad team. I have Miami in my like six to 10 bracket, which I generally think of them as like one of the better teams in that, you know, like I have them, I have Atlanta, I have Indiana, uh, I have Orlando. Like those are some of the teams that I have in that 
part of the bracket, right? But my thought with Miami is the number is just bad. Um, because I have them tiered in such a way, and I have the other five teams really as, I think, clearly better, reg- especially regular season teams, um, you're basically betting on them to not be the sixth seed. You're just not bet- be a top six team. Um, so... You can bet you and you can bet that it's actionable for Miami to be in the play in they're plus 260 for Miami to miss the playoffs or plus 575. I heard that there's a plus 800 at Bavada out there. So like when you're looking at this, you're you have to consider the math here. Like, are they more than 15% likely to miss the playoffs? Yeah, I think so. Because if they're in the play in, depending on where they're seated, they're two losses or even one loss away from missing the playoffs entirely and cashing that bet. So I think of this as like an escalator to a Miami under. I don't want to bet Miami ceiling. If I want to bet Miami ceiling, I will wait to the playoffs. And if they make the playoffs, I can bet them to win the title just because I think the coaching is so excellent. You have great 16 game players and Jimmy Butler, Bam and Abayo, but, and you can kind of see how the bracket's breaking. Right. But like, I just don't see them going higher up or like super high up in the Eastern Conference standings. I think that it's more likely that other teams overperform, and Miami is a team that's on the outside looking in, just based on the way the roster's constructed, the fact that they had that extended playoff run last year, and you have a little bit of an older team. So that's just the way I look at it. It's not that I think Miami is bad. It's a bet on the number, and the number being worth some action. So that's why I'm looking at that for Miami. And the team that I think is most likely to take the step forward that I like the most is I really like the Indiana Pacers. You guys know how much I like to talk about Tyrese Halliburton, how much I like this team and this squad, but I do think that they've made moves to improve the roster. Um, I know that there's a bet. I think I'm not sure what the market is right now because it's not in New Jersey, but you can bet on Buddy Heald who he's going to basically play for this season, at least, you know, like who is going to play his first minutes for. And I think Indiana at the time that I had looked at it was plus 300 from, uh, from some of the people that I've spoken with, it seems that that's much more likely uh, part of the contract. There's been some contract negotiations because Buddy Heal is going to be a free agent in the off season. Indiana wants to keep him. Indiana has not been happy with the fact that they've basically had to tank or soft tank the past couple of years, just because it hasn't totally panned out for them. But Buddy Heald is a player that they like, is a player that they think will help them improve uh, moving forward. <clears throat> and the contract seems that they're about like $15 million apart on a two-year deal. Uh, Indiana wants to sign him to two years 35. He wants like two years 50. So we'll see if that's something where they kind of come a little bit closer together in uh, over the course of the season. But right now, they're not looking to dump Buddy Heald for like nothing. Basically, Indiana's position is if we trade Buddy Heald, we want something good. And we would honestly rather keep Buddy Heald through the trade deadline and keep him for the season, even if we don't know if we can retain him, because we want to have a chance at being a good team. We want to make the playoffs, at least make the play in. And, you know, if we're like the eight seed or so, that's a win for us on the season. And Buddy Heald helps us do that. So with that, I do like a lot of these Indiana plays. I like Indiana. Indiana to make the play and I like Indiana to make the postseason, but the number's not really great. So that's kind of why I've went the other way on Miami, because I think that if there was a team in the top six to get ousted, in my opinion, it's Miami. 
And that's the better way to back Indiana is by taking a team out rather than backing Indiana to go in. Because I think that people, things get sticky, especially with betting markets. People want to bet on that team that's going to do something. But when you look at the picture of the, of the Eastern Conference, you have to say, well, if you think this team is going to do that, who is going to not do that? And then like, how are they getting replaced? And that's why I'm like, okay, well, I think it's Miami and I'd rather take this position. Um, sometimes like if you have a local, you can parlay those two. And I think that that's where these things get very dynamic because they're being priced as if they're not related, but they're directly correlated. In my opinion, if one of these teams is going to miss and another one's going to make. So that's kind of the way that I'm looking at the Eastern conference anyway, at least at this point in time. So the other part of that Damian Lillard trade, obviously, was the, you know, people argue, it's like, oh, like, was it really part of the trade? It was all part of the trade. But the part of the trade that I think is fascinating is the Nurkic for Aiton swap between the Blazers and the Phoenix Suns. This, to me, is very interesting. Uh, I spoke with Evan Sidry and based on his contacts and what we're hearing is that there was a, there was good word that not only did Aiton want out of Phoenix, but the superstars in Phoenix wanted Aiton out as well. And this is a bit of a situation of players like playing their role. Fascinating trade. Number one, because of the fact that I think that Portland, you know, like you got DeAndre Aiton. Like I, I think that the contract is overinflated, but at the same time, Aiton is better than Nurk. Um, there's not a doubt in my mind. Aiton plays more games. Nurk gets hurt a little bit more. Uh, the offensive numbers are better. The rebounding numbers are better. And the one thing that's, and that he can play way more defensive coverages. Um, he can play, you know, he can switch a little bit better. He can play at the level a little bit more. He can play a little bit more drop, whereas Nurk is basically only playing drop. So I think that that's a hundred percent a thing, right? Um, I like the way that Portland kind of retooled in this trade the best they could. They have a lot more players that they could still move around, a lot more players they can still trade. So I think it's a fascinating scenario. The thing for that I think is going to be actionable from a betting perspective, though, is not DeAndre Ayton, most improved player. I, I'm sorry, Brian, uh, but I do not. I just don't see it happening. Um, the thing that I think is going to be actionable is Nurkic over assists on a nightly basis early in the season. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite angles for backing this team early. And the reason I say that is the one thing that Nurk is better than Aiton at is passing the basketball. The reason I say this is that he is a good, like tertiary, like secondary facilitator. And if we actually look back over the past couple of seasons, he's recorded 2.9, 2.8, 3.4, 4.0, 3.2 assists per game. Um, so the four is a little like funky because he only played eight games. So I would say like you're kind of looking at like a basically like a three assists per night type of guy. I think this is fascinating because he's going to have similar scoring options. Obviously, he doesn't have Damian Lillard, doesn't have like a CJ McCollum, like which was one of the years where he was doing this too. But what you do have is you have so many dynamic scores between Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal. And those guys are going to be looking for somebody that knows their role, knows how to play within an offense, and doesn't necessarily need the ball to be 
an excellent player, right? Um, and doesn't need to be scoring for the offense to kind of thrive. They want him to be a cog, let the other guys do the scoring. So while I think a lot of people are going to be looking at Devin Booker assists early in the season, and I think that that might be a play depending on the line, I think that the real angle here is going to be looking at Nurk. Uh, I'm not sure where we're going to be seeing his assist line. I think that we might be seeing, especially early, we might be seeing like one and a halfs. Um, maybe we see some two and a halfs at plus money. Those are all spots that I absolutely want to target um, for him early, especially early in the season, because I think that the number is just going to be wrong. Um, I think that we're going to be getting that opportunity where he might have like some three, four, uh, five assist games where when you look at this, you'd say like, he's not really a dimer, but like that, you know, like that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but I think that it absolutely is a spot where you could do that. So even if we look at him last season, he had multiple games with seven, 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 a couple sixes, a couple games with five, and then a ton of games with four. So out of the 58 games he played last season he had 21 games of four or more assists and that was when he was playing some of those games were with dame a lot of those games like you know dame was out they weren't playing together so i do think that this is a good opportunity to kind of back him and he also had three or more in 28 of the 58 games that he played so He's always somebody that's going to have the ball in his hands that he's going to be, you know, working as a facilitator, whether it's in like a pick and roll or, you know, some screens, dribble handoffs, whatever. Um, I do like this op this opportunity for Nurk early in the season. And I hope if we see some one and a half that we're going to get a really good opportunity to get some plus money on these alternate lines on these assists. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Those are some of the things that I wanted to talk about early on in the season. Obviously we talked about our preseason stuff. We talked about the Drew Holiday, Dame Lillard trade, talked about the Boston Celtics and the Miami and the Miami Heat and the Milwaukee Bucks and the Eastern Conference. I think that right now, we have this game plan and I'll let you guys know because we're going to be coming back weekly at this point because that's the time of the year it is now. Uh, next week, we'll have Dan Titus on, uh, hopefully as long as his kid's feeling all right. Uh, and then after that, on the 17th, we'll probably be talking a little bit about player-specific stats. Some of those markets that I want to talk about are uh, you know, player points per game over under three pointers per game over under and some of those player specific futures. And then we'll be coming back. I'm probably going to be doing an opening night podcast. We'll see if we're going to do one specifically for that day. But if not, we know that that Wednesday is going to be a monster slate and we will cover that. So that's just a little bit of housekeeping for you guys, but producer Corey, it's been a minute. Have you stopped reflecting on the New York Giants? How you feel? Yeah, I've fully focused on preseason hockey. Hell yeah! How's preseason hockey going? How are the Devils? Great. Gonna be the this Devils year? look inspiring. Should we bet on them again? I am. The odds aren't oh, yeah. great. Uh, yeah, they're favorites now. They're That's crazy. Cats out the number... of the bag. We're good. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll throw them in some futures parlays. That would probably be a nice little boost. Yeah, I could do that. I could. I could fuck around with that. Yeah. Um. But uh, producer Corey, for everybody that wants to know, producer Corey lost in fantasy football, so the curse has been lifted. Um, I feel he, better already, honestly. He he feels great now. So Corey is on his way. One hundred Cor- point differential. Hey, pounding a true pounding. Crushed it. I feel absolutely good. I feel humbled. It. I needed that. Hubris yeah, no. will kill you. Hey, you got ousted as the speaker, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Hoisted by my own petard. Right. So, (laughs) (laughs) 
but look, we're 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 doing the best that we can. Uh, fantasy football is obviously just one of those things that you just really never know what the fuck's gonna happen. But I do know that I will try to finagle a trade out of producer Corey at some point during the season. It's just inevitable. Well, once I'm, once I'm uh, three and new math, boy oh. math, whatever. Those are my only three wins. Once I plummet to the bottom, fire sale. That's it. It's over. I'm wheeling. I'm dealing. I'm making illegal deals. You're the commissioner now, so I, yeah, I'm the commissioner, goes? but I have no, I have no authority, so it's fine. Yet, yeah, you're commissioner. And you. We have not handed the baton yet. Yeah, I can't do anything. So. <laughs> you won the election. Now you're in limbo till you know January sixth. I'm basically a lame duck. It matches Hopefully. my matches my tattoo. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but what do you what do you got for us? What are we recommending this week? This week, I'm recommending a very strange book I just read. It's called Remarkably Bright Creatures. It's about an octopus. Okay. Fully entertained. I couldn't put it down. I can't describe why. Highly recommend it. Interesting. I have it's about no words. I I can't give you much detail because it's bizarre. But really good hey. read. I, I respect it. Also, get a tea time. This is the best time of year to go golf. Oh yeah, you. Oh, I. I mean, I'm moving, so like this is a little bit chaotic right That's now. That's annoying for you. You're hey, out. but I am moving. I'm moving like basically right next to Architects Golf Course. Oh yeah, and then so. about six more within ten miles. Yeah, so it's it's gonna be a great time over there. Um, maybe I will actually hit a golf ball a little bit more often. Let me. With... I have to reconstruct my whole swing, so I better get started. Yeah, it's about time. No matter how you cut it. Um, have you been asked, have you been asked about the fucking Roman empire thing? Yeah, but I'm a fucking, I studied Latin for six years. I think about it more often than most people. I would assume. Okay. So I like, at the very least, it's usually an answer on jeopardy at some point in the night. Yeah. I'm going to see it. I'm going to think about it. Yeah. Like I, I feel like I think like I told Jenna, like I thought about it, like, I don't know, like once a week, every other week, something like that. Just because like. I think that you just do. Like, there's just a way to do it. And how so, ancient are we going? I mean, is every mention of the Catholic Church technically not part of that? So, ugh. I can get real semantics with it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's <laughs> always there's always a way to. Bring I'll up bet now after thinking all that, like probably most people, it comes up pretty frequently. Yeah, like I think it's just one of those things. Like, even if you don't really think about it, like it's just going to come up just because of the way that that's just yeah. the way it works. If you don't, um, someone around you will. Yeah. So probably one of the me. One of the things that net Netflix has obviously figured this out and Netflix, there's apparently there's a series on Netflix, but apparently I don't know if it's like new old, but I think it's Are you a sure it's older. real. In, yeah. It's literally just about the famous leaders of the Roman empire. It's literally just called Roman empire. Oh my God. And it just is like, it just goes through. It's like, Wait, it's, it's not that of, show Rome. No. So oh. it's, it's kind of funny because. So it's like uh, almost the suits effect, but because of a meme. Yeah. No, for real. And the thing that's interesting about it is like they have like historians talking over like they like voice. They do like the voice cuts like as if it was like a documentary. Right. But then they have like actors playing (laughs) the roles of the people. So it's like it's like a little bit of both. I like when they add that level of cornball. Yeah. Like it's very strange uh, artistic direction. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's like the murder mysteries like that you watch. Like they do need a reenactment of like how Caesar was stabbed. We could just use the pictures. 
Yeah, no, like in the um in the first in the first episode, they just have like because they had to reenact the fact that Commodus is just like a slut. So they just, so they're just okay. like, yeah, so that's what they have. So they just have like they just have fucking ass out there in the first episode. So it's just like that's how it is. But it's they're acting to show you what happened in Rome for him then. So so bizarre. Bizarre. But it's it's I would say it's a little bit it's almost like easier to swallow than a doc a traditional documentary. Probably poor doesn't work for me. I like a traditional documentary. I do too, but I also think that it's like it's a little bit it's interesting enough because it's like oh like I don't mind watching a little gladiator fight here, you know. Like I don't need to hear them just talking about it. Like you could act out the fight, you know. So this is my recommendation, basically. Now you can really just like lay it on thick with the Roman Empire things and just be like, yeah, no, like I always, I always have done this. Like I've always wanted to watch this and just like really make it a big thing. And even if you haven't, now you can be one of the Roman Empire guys. Yeah. Like does every Italian, every time they think of anything Italian, therefore think of the Roman Empire? That's yeah, Come I on. think so. You live in New Jersey. Every one of these assholes, including you, has got to think of Italy at least once a day. You know what I thought about that? Whether or not it's food related, it's usually food related, but you know, it comes up. Um, you know what I actually thought about um recent like in this thought was that uh when okay, they were built so we are closer to the Roman Empire than the Romans were to the pyramids being built. Yeah, common fact, dude. Yeah, okay. But you have you like when you actually think about that, that's fucking crazy because like, yeah, it makes the Colosseum like the... not that impressive. This shit looks decrepit for being so young. Well, it's not even yeah, like <laughs> not even those that, pyramids are fucking pristine. They're from twenty five hundred BC, right? Like we look at the pyramids and we're like, yo, that shit's crazy. Like, how do they even make that? Do you imagine like with the slave Romans labor, the like, answer is slave labor. Yeah, like the Romans, it's like fucking like 400 BC, and they're just like, we should dress slavery too. Yeah, like what the <laughs> fuck is this shit? And then, and then the Roman Empire fell. So you know, there's that. That's, uh, I think that's the root of uh, all Italians' anxiety. They think the empire is collapsing at all times. I think that's what it is. I'm just like, oh my god, get the gabagool, you know? So sorry, right, get the valuables. Yeah, well, <laughs> we're gonna be sacked. they're like talking about like you know like what they're like oh like it was an entertainment thing like they got to get the games like they got to do like the the gladiators and all i can think about is i'm like well all i care about is fucking watching sports so is this the same thing like like, are we there (laughs) so it's all right. Like, I think this is the way you need you guys need to look at this because my recommendation is to watch the show, learn a little bit about history. Um, I also I'm I'm you know it's funny actually I'm recommending uh I'm recommending a little bit more fruit. Um, I was wondering not where really we get good, to food. I don't know if it's really a good fruit season right now because I think fruit's a little bit overpriced at Kinda. the at, at the moment. Yeah, but, it's because it's traveling further. Little yeah, but for most things, I will say I've been getting some really good pineapples. D- this is actually what it is. Don't buy the pre-cut pineapple. Oh, just, you're a dumbass if that's what you're doing. Buy just turn get this podcast it. off, unsubscribe, and go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> pineapple is literally one of the easiest fruits to prep of all time. Did you buy the core remover? I no, I just slice it. It's awesome. You oh you got one. You cut the top and bottom off the pineapple, and there's like it's a corkscrew sort of with a hole in it. 
So you go up the core, and as you turn it and cut it out of the skin, yeah, got to do it over a bowl because you get about, I don't know, half a cup of straight pineapple juice. Oh, pineapple juice is the best. So you pull it out, it comes out in like a spiral, and the core comes out in the middle. Oh, my God. You got to get it. It's so much fun to play with. I, I, I'm i so in on that. I think I'm going to get it. If you're slightly off, you're pissed at yourself. but Yeah, because you're just like, fuck, I got a little bit of skin on that. I've, yeah. been, I've been watching these videos where people – they like roll the pineapple and then they can like pull the little things out. And I'm like, oh, it seems insane. Like that, that to me, that's crazy, but that's, just, just, that's a magic trick to me. I don't understand. I don't believe it. I think somebody like <laughs> cut it in yeah. advance. It, um, it was some sort of uh chicanery. Yeah. I don't buy it. So I, but I, I just cut it with a knife. I just like trim the outside and then slice it up like whatever. But yeah, if you don't have the, a core remover, it's also very simple. Don't it's be just stupid. not complicated. And Do like you buy a, that's the thing. You buy a pineapple and it's like $3. You buy the fucking sliced up pineapple and it's like 30 You also don't know when that shit got cut up and thrown into a fridge. No idea. You'd be getting no some dry-ass nasty pineapple. Yeah. And in the meantime, honestly, like as long as you just don't buy a green-ass pineapple, you're, the pineapple and that you get... just sit gonna, on it for a long time. <laughs> yeah, just sit on it. You got to sit on it. Yeah, you do got to sit on it for a while. Yeah, but spiky I, side I, up. Yeah, yeah. Spiky <laughs> side up for sure. Don't, <laughs> don't sit on it the other way. <laughs> you lay in a pineapple um oh <laughs> so with that guys stay true to your core keep betting on the gladiator fights because if the roman empire told you anything it's that inflation is nothing money's not real and the blood is <laughs> and our money is just going to be worthless at some point anyway because our empire will eventually fall too so Let's whatever <laughs> Just play with it. <laughs> Get on those preseason money line dogs and let's cash that. <laughs>